Okay, so today's daf is Dalid in Yoma. We are nine lines from the top of Dalid Amud Aleph, where it says Tanya Kivate. So Tanya Kivate to Rabbi Yochanan, Tanya Kivate to Rish Lakish. Now, Rish, so we, like we said yesterday, Rabbi Yochanan and Rish Lakish have two different concepts of the reasoning uh, behind this idea of the seven days of separation or sequestering of the Kohen Gadol before Yom Kippur. One is the theory of Rabbi Yochanan that it's based upon uh, the Milu'im, the dedication of the Mishkan originally, and the other theory is Resh Lakish that it's based upon uh, that's based upon Har Sinai. Okay, now the, the as I mentioned yesterday, the, the 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 you know going to a deeper if you want to really investigate it more deeply. So obviously, what it really comes down to is whether we view it as part of sort of the rededication of the Beit Hamikdash, just like the Mishkan was dedicated and consecrated for the first time. Uh, the Yom Kippur is a renewal of that, or is it because of the entry into the Kodesh Kodashim, which is more similar to what Moshe Rabbeinu was doing, going up on the mountain and so on? It's more connected to that that moment of the entry into the Kodesh Kodashim. But either way, there's a brayta that supports Reish Lakish, and there's a brayta that supports Rabbi Yochanan. Tanya kevatet Rabbi Yochanan bezot yavo Aron al Kodesh, because it says bezot yavo Aron al Kodesh. So with this, Aron should go into the Kodesh Kodashim, and it's talking about and that's in the beginning of Parshat Acharimot. With this, b'mash amor beinyan. With that which is discussed by Inyan about the subject. Now, in uh, the the uh, Brayta interrupts. It, it could be that the Gemara is interjecting here, uh, and it's not necessarily uh, the wording of the Brayta. Sometimes it's hard to know. But Maihi, what do you mean in that which is spoken about in the subject? Maihi binyan de miluim. That it's talking about the miluim. Oma amor binyan de miluim. Aaron pirei shiva veshimesh yom echad umoshem masalo kol shiva kedei lechancho ba'avoda. So all of the different features of the original consecration of the Kohanim are replicated in the case of Yom Kippur because when it came to the Milu'im, Aaron separated for seven days. We read that in the Torah. It says in Parashat Tzav at the end. And then he served for on the eighth day. And all the seven days, Moshe was teaching him. In other words, Moshe was doing the Avodah, actually the seven days of the dedication of the Mishkan. And, and Aaron and his sons took over on the eighth day. So during the seven days, he was teaching him along the way, to train him. And so too for the seven days for Yom Kippur, the Kohen separated for seven days and he only serves one day and two which we could refer to as like the students of Moshe in other words it's a continuation of the same concept right the Talmidei Chachamim are like inheriting the position of Moshe Rabbeinu which is of course mentioned in order to exclude the Tzadokim now I don't know if that's in the original Brayta or that's in parentheses in other words the Gemara is making that comment but either way they, uh, they teach him in order to train him in the Every single day, so it's a it's a it's a copy of what happened in the times of the of, of the dedication of the original Mishkan that Moshe Rabbeinu was teaching Aaron every day. Aaron's uh, learning for seven days and separate for seven days, and then he assumes the role on the eighth day. And from this, we learn that uh, seven days before Yom Kippur, the Kohen Gadol they separate him from his house to the Lishkat Paradrin to the special chamber. Just like we separate the Kohen Gadol for the Avodav Yom Kippur, we also separate the Kohen who's going to burn the Parah Aduma and put him in a northeastern chamber on the face of the uh, Bet HaMikdash. So the question is whether that's part of the Bet HaMikdash or it's just on Har Habayit. But either way, he, he's placed in a special chamber also for seven days. Both of them, Mazin Alav, Kol Shiva, Mikol Chatot Shayusham. They would put on them 
uh, each day from the para'aduma, from whatever para'aduma ashes they had available to them, they would put some on them each and every day, just in case it happened to be that they had become tamay from Tumatmet before and they didn't realize it. And uh, obviously they wouldn't have any other opportunities to become tamay in the interim because they were separate for those seven days, but maybe just before uh, they had become tamay. So this is the, or maybe two days ago they had become tamay. So this is the third day, or maybe three, you know, and then maybe this is the, maybe this is the third day. Maybe this is the third day. Okay, now maybe, you know, and actually I think Rashi says there's one day that they skip because there's one day that it couldn't possibly be either the third or the seventh day, right? I remember that, that we, we had discussed that once before. Um, I don't remember if he says it here, but I remember seeing it before because there is, it, because the first day could be the third day, the second day could be the third day, the third day could be the third day. Um, uh, if he had become Tamei uh, on the, the day before he came in, right? So uh, first day, second day, no, then the third day, I guess, couldn't really be anything, right? The third day is the one that couldn't really be anything. Was that what it was? Um, and then, and then, and then it could start being that maybe it was the, uh, maybe it was the, um, the, the, uh, you know, they the restart the process again and say, well, if the first day, if that was the third day, if day one was the third day, right? So that would make the, uh, day four, the seventh day, right? Is that, that, that I think that was what it, what it was. Anyway, so if you're going to tell me, well, it's not exactly the same thing because the, when it came to the Miluim, when it came to the dedication of the Kohanim in the times of the Mishkan, that was done with blood every day that they sprinkled on them from the various sacrifices. And here you're talking about the water of the Paradumatzazamatnichnisumaimtachadam. Well, we just say that, you know, we basically, the water is similar to the dam. We put the water instead of the blood. And it says in the Pasuk, that just as Hashem is, just as you've done, um, on this day, Hashem commanded to do for, uh, you know, to, to atone for you. We saw this before. In other words, this language that's used to describe the dedication of the Kohanim, that Hashem commanded you to do this, they said it's talking about for the Parah Aduma and also for Yom Kippur, that the same kind of a preparatory seven days is necessary in both cases. So this is supporting Rabbi Yochanan, that the whole process of preparing the Kohen Gadol for Yom Kippur is modeled exactly on... The Miluim, the dedication of the original uh, Beta original Mishkan and consecration of the original Kohanim, and and this Brita doesn't actually say anything that we didn't already see, right? Literally, it says everything that we already said before about this. Now, the high bezot, this word bezot, how are you saying that the word bezot in the pasuk in Achraimot it says bezot that tells you how how Aaron is allowed to go into the Kodesh Hakodeshim? What do you mean it's extra? It's not extra. Bezot is necessary. It says no because they said they said like this. Why are you using a feminine form bezot? Bezeh would be more correct. Oh, be'ele, or if you're talking about both korbanot, say be'ele, because they're both male. Why would you say bezod? My bezod, shemat minat So from the fact that it says bezod, it's referring not only to these korbanot, but also to the miluim. It's adding to, it's adding to, and, and the, I think Rashi says, it's the Torah of the Miluim. In other words, the instruction of the Miluim is what the Bizot is. So, so that's why it's feminine. Now, the Omer, what about the Pasuk at the end? Why do you need the, if you have Bizot already in the beginning to tell you that Yom Kippur has to be modeled on the Miluim and therefore you need a seven day preparatory period. So why do you need the word, the Pasuk at the end? Why do you need that extra Pasuk? You might have thought that maybe that's only true for the first Yom Kippur of all time. 
In other words, it's saying just like the Miluim required it in the times of Moshe Rabbeinu, the first Yom Kippur required it. That doesn't mean that it's required for all time. Inami or maybe Kohen Gadol Kama Kohen Gadol Baal Malo. Or you might have thought that maybe only the first Kohen Gadol, it was part of the installation of the first Kohen Gadol that he have a special period of waiting before the Miluim and a special period of waiting before the Yom Kippur, but that doesn't mean that uh, it's for all time. So therefore you need Tashema, Kasher, Asa, etc. That's what the Pasuk comes to tell you, that it's for all Kohanim Gdolim for all time. Not only for that time, and not only for that Yom Kippur. So that is uh, that concludes the Brayta that supports Rabbi Yochanan's position, and literally it supports it on every uh, detail. So it's a very strong support. Now we come to the Brayta that supports Reish Lakish. Lakish. Now here's a Brayta that will be in favor of Reish Lakish's interpretation that the reason why there are seven days of preparation before Yom Kippur for the Kohen Gadol is because it's similar to not to Aaron, by the way. That's the interesting thing. It's similar to Moshe waiting in order to go on to Har Sinai. So, the, uh, so, the, so Moshe Allah uh, It says that Moshe Rabbeinu went up into the cloud and he was covered by the cloud and he was sanctified by, by the cloud in order to receive the Torah for the Jewish people in holiness. Shneemar, as it says, It says that the cloud rested, the, uh, the glory of Hashem rested on Har Sinai. Rabbi Yosei Aglili says that this whole discussion, that this is actually at the end of Parshat Mishpatim. So when it says that the cloud covered, uh, you know, the glory of Hashem was there and the cloud covered for six days, that is after the giving of the Torah, before Moshe Rabbeinu went up on the mountain. Okay, so and uh, those days would have to count towards the 40 days that Moshe Rabbeinu is absent because otherwise the dates won't work out that he came back on the 17th of Tammuz. As the, the Gemara is going to touch on that a, a little bit later. I know, but, the breaking of no. This is round one. This is the first time. This is the first time. Right after the giving of the Serat HaDibrot. Nothing bad happened yet. Right? Just hearing the Yeah. 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 So that, in other words, after, the, after they had that Serat HaDibrot, then the Torah gives us Parashat Mishpatim, and then it says that Moshe Rabbeinu came out the land for 40 days. And then he comes down with the Luchot and he breaks them. But that the breaking of the Luchot happened on the 17th of Tammuz. It won't work out. It only works out to be 40 days if, if the seventh day of Sivan, he went up on the, uh, on the mountain. It won't work out otherwise. Because uh, the, the only way you're going to get is if you have 23 days left of, uh, uh, of Sivan. And then you have 17 days of Tammuz. Otherwise, it won't work for 40 days to lead to Yudzayin B'Tammuz. So, um, in any case, so th- th- this is, re- so according to this interpretation, first of all, these days of these six days of waiting happened after the giving of the Torah. That's point number one. Point number two is that when he, he interprets, that the cloud went on Moshe, meaning that that was, the, the who is Moshe Rabbeinu, not the mountain. Meaning he was covered by the cloud and enclosed him and that was like part of his sequestering just like the Kohen Gadol is, in, is sequestered in a chamber for, the, uh, for those days. And, that's, and this was a preparation to be able to go and, and be, uh, you know, ascend to the level of Kiddushah that was necessary to receive the Luchot. This is what Rabbi Yosei Aglili is going to say and basically we're going to see that according to, uh, that, that, that he is the one that actually supports uh, Resh Lakish's interpretation. Nobody else, uh, nobody else has really does, but we'll see. Um, I don't want to ruin it for you. Now, that's when it says that the glory of God rested on Har Sinai, it's not talking about after the giving of the Torah, it's talking about from Rosh Chodesh Sivan. And when it says by Chaseuanan, it doesn't mean of Moshe Rabbeinu, it means of the mountain, obviously, because if you look at what Moshe Rabbeinu was doing from Rosh Chodesh Sivan 
until the giving of the Torah. He was going back up and down the mountain, telling the people, do this, make a fence, do that, prepare. He wasn't sitting and enclosed by a cloud. He was very busy. So if it's talking about the, if you're going to say that the cloud is resting on the mountain from the first of Sivan, then that definitely means it wasn't resting on Moshe. It was resting on the mountain. Okay, and Vayikrael Moshe, and what does it mean that he called to Moshe on the seventh day? It says V'chol Yisrael Omedin. He called to Moshe, 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 V'chol Yisrael Omedin. V'lo Abba Katuv Ela Lechalek Kavod Moshe. In other words, according to this, this that when it says at the end of Parashat Mishpatim, very interesting because you wouldn't think that way from reading it. You really wouldn't think that way from reading it because this pasuk appears at the end of Parashat Mishpatim, and it says that that the cloud covered the Har Sinai for. Um, for six days, and on the seventh day, Hashem uh, calls Moshe, right? Vayikra Hashem el Moshe, what's the pasuk? Vayal Moshe, right? What's the end of the pasuk? Vayikra Moshe bayom hashvi'i mitoche anan. Okay, so the, and, then, and then it says that he went up. That was, that was right after he told Aaron um, and Hur to watch the people, because he's going to go up to the mountain. Now the, uh, so when it says Vayikra el Moshe, it sounds like it's talking about after the giving of the Torah that he's going up. Right, but according to this interpretation, no, this is the giving of the Torah. That six days there was a cloud covering the mountain, and on the seventh day, Moshe Hashem called to Moshe and then gave the Ten Commandments to the people. In other words, they heard Hashem speak to Moshe and then gave the Ten Commandments to the people, and then Moshe afterwards went up onto the mountain to receive the actual luchot. Okay, they prepared three days or one week before the receiving of. They prepared for three days. They prepared for three days. For three days. So there's. But it says that the cloud was on the mountain for six days. And on the seventh day, Hashem called Moshe. So, they're say, so, the, so according to Rabbi Akiva, th- those six days mean the first six days of Sivan. Okay, that they saw a cloud on the mountain like something is going to be happening soon. And then when they heard Hashem called Moshe, that was the beginning of the giving of the Aserat brought to the people. Not the giving of the Luchot. The giving of the, that, that had nothing to do with Moshe going up on the mountain. He went up on the mountain afterwards. Okay. Right, so that's, that's so it, it's putting it out of order. In other words, this ain muktam because it's saying that this is actually the giving of the Torah, but it's described afterwards. Okay, that's the that's the challenge of this interpretation. Okay, and it's lechalek kavod de Moshe. The people say Rabbi Natan omer lo ba'akadu ela lemarek achilah ushtei Hashem me'av smoke b'alachay asharet. The reason why Hashem. Uh, brought now Rashi explains that according to Rabbi Natan, he it was Moshe who was enveloped by the cloud. Okay, but the purpose of it was not to teach you something that would be necessarily for the future, but to teach you something about Moshe Rabbeinu that he had to become purified like a malach from eating and drinking because he wasn't going to eat and drink for forty days and forty nights. So therefore, he had to be purified in before he went up to Har Sinai. But that would be unique. That wouldn't apply to the Kohen Gadol at all. That would only apply to Moshe Rabbeinu. Now he's agreeing with Rabbi. Yosef that this purification was done to Moshe Rabbeinu before he went up on Har Sinai. But he, so he's not agreeing with Rabbi Akiva that it's a description of what happened prior to the giving of the Torah. Now Rabbi Matya ben Charash that no, this was this cloud. What, he also holds like Rabbi Yosei Rashi says that the point was for him to be separated for those six days. Now that doesn't necessarily contradict um, 
that doesn't necessarily contradict uh, Rish Lakish because the idea is that Moshe Rabbeinu had to be prepared mentally for the six days before he would come close to the, uh, you know, to receive the Torah. It had to be done with awe, with awe and trepidation and so on. And you could say the same thing about going into the Kodesh HaKodeshim, that the Kohen had to have this readiness that, you know, he's going into this uh, incredibly holy location. So that doesn't necessarily contradict. But the point, uh, uh, as it says, rejoice in, in trembling. What does it mean rejoice in trembling. In the place of joy should be trembling. What does it mean joy? Torah is joy. You receive the, uh, it says, uh, the Torah gives you joy, but you don't treat it without respect. It has to be treated with respect. It has to be treated with reverence. So what Moshe Rabbeinu was receiving a Torah, it has to be, it's a joyful thing, but it also has to be serious. That's, these are the different opinions of interpreting these six days. Okay? Now, let's go back to the basic crux of the issue. What is the core issue here between Rabbi Yosek Lili and Rabbi Akiva they're arguing about something that another that we saw hopefully you remember because I know everyone remembers everything that we learned in Daphne and we never forget anything only I forget everything I can't remember what we did a week ago but I'm sure you remember that in Masechet Shabbat we learned it's very famous that's why you probably remember about the question of Matan Torah and whether the Torah was given on the 6th of Sivan or the 7th of Sivan famous Machloket Tanaim the Tanaim B'Shisha B'Chodesh Netanat Torah L'Yisrael Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Shiv'abo right Rabbi Yossi says, Moshe Hosif Yom Echad Midato. That was a very famous and very controversial statement of Rabbi Yossi that he said, no, that Hashem said it's going to be on the sixth day, but then it's, you know, but Moshe Rabbeinu added a day because it says, uh, because it says, Shloshet Yamim. It's going to be on the third day. And he, and, and he meaning on the third day itself, and he, he pushed it off one more day so they would have one more day of preparation. Um, and that, so therefore, it actually was on the seventh of Sivan. We celebrate Shavuot obviously on the sixth of Sivan. Well, we actually cover both because uh, we have two days. Right, I'm going to lose that. I'm, I'm happy to. I'm happy to let you have it. <laughs> I'm, you know, but um, the uh, second. I, I actually like the second day of Shavuot. I don't mind. I only mind the second day there. Everything else, I'm, uh, I'm totally fine with. It. Yeah, and I, and I, I wouldn't want second day Yom Kippur. Um, so the uh, but anyway the uh, so Rabbi Yossi says seventh day the, the, the Rabbi Akiva says the I mean the, the Tanakh Kama says the more common uh, assumption which is Shesh B'Sivan which we usually say you know the sixth day of Sivan was the uh, was the day so Manda so according to the one that says that he went that it was given on B'Shisha sixth day of Sivan he went up on the seventh day of Sivan because it's, so that would fit perfectly with what it said before that six days the mountain was covered with the cloud and on the Yom HaShvi'i on the seventh day um, he went up right it says Hashem called to Moshe by Yom HaShvi'i mitoche Anan on the seventh day he went up on the mountain fine Manda we skip the parentheses Manda according to the one that says it happened on the seventh day of Sivan. So, so he went up to the mountain on the same day that the Torah was given. In other words, that people heard the Aserat that they brought in the morning, because it says it was in the morning, and some day, sometime later that day he went up on the mountain himself, and that's where he stayed for those 40 days. That is the opinion, uh, these are Rabbi Yossi Aglili Savarla Ketanakama. So Rabbi Yossi Aglili, this is not Rabbi Yossi. There's two Rabbi Yossis here, okay? Rabbi Yossi, who says that the Torah was given on the seventh day, is not of Sivan, is not the same as Rabbi Yossi Aglili. Rabbi Yosef Glili did not say that. He says, Because Rabbi Yosef Glili says, 
So how does Rabbi Yossi Aglili interpret the psukim? He says that those psukim at the end of Parshat Mishpatim are not out of order, like it seems like uh, on the surface, that they're out of order. No, that happened after the giving of the Torah. After the giving of the Torah, there were six days of separation, and then on the seventh day, he went up onto the mountain, and those were the first of the 40 days, meaning he was actually only on the mountain for 33 days, according to that, not full 40, right? According to everyone else, the six days that he was, uh, that, that it talks about the, the uh, cl- cloud being there is only covering the mountain, not Moshe, and on the seventh day, he went up. Either that was the day after the Torah was given, that he went up, or it was the same day that the Torah was given, according to Rabbi Yossi. But either way, that happened out of order. In other words, where it's written in the parasha of Mishpatim at the end is not where it really happened, because where it really happened was right after the giving of the Aserat Hadibrot in, uh, <laughs> in, in Nitro. It should have mentioned that the cloud was already covering the mountain for six days, all right? Now, So he says, since I hold that the Torah was given, meaning the Ten Commandments were given to the people, when Hashem spoke to the whole people, that was on the 6th of Sivan, so then it wouldn't make any sense to say that the cloud covered the mountain for six days, and on the seventh day, Hashem called Moshe to receive the Ten Commandments. What do you mean? It, it, it already happened. See, it will work according to Rabbi Yossi, because Rabbi Yossi will say that the six days that was covering the cloud was covering the mountain, and on the seventh day, Hashem called Moshe in front of all the people and said, here are the Ten Commandments, okay? But if, it, if the Ten Commandments are given on the sixth day, so what's the relevance of the seventh day? If the only idea of the six days of, of cloud cover of the mountain and the calling of Moshe on the seventh day is the giving of the Ten Commandments to the people, so then it makes no sense for it to be on Yom HaShavii. Right? Uh, except if you're going to say that Torah was given on Yom HaShavii. But if you're going to say it was given on Yom Shishi, uh, you know, sixth day of Sivan, then it won't work. Shisha. And, the, and, the, and we know that the cloud was already gone from the sixth day. So therefore, Rabbi Yosef Lili is saying, my interpretation is the only way to go because it says on the seventh day. And since the only relevant, se- there's no relevant seventh day because seventh day of Sivan, the Torah was already given. So what is it talking about here? It's talking about Moshe being called up onto the mountain. So that must be after the giving of the Torah, meaning the six days after the giving of the Aserah that they brought. And on the seventh day, he went up on the mountain. That must be what it is. Rabbi Akiva, like Rabbi Yosef. Rabbi Akiva holds like Rabbi Yossi who says that on the seventh day of Sivan is when the Torah was given. Right? That's what I was saying before. In other words, that according to Rabbi Akiva it works perfectly the 17th of Tammuz. Why? Because he went up on the mountain and there were still 23 days, right? You still had the days left of Sivan, 24 days left of Sivan, right? Because the seventh of Sivan, he went up on the mountain. We're counting that day. So he still had 24 days left of Sivan, 16 days of Tammuz, and he came down on the 17th day of Tammuz, right? V'shitzah de Tammuz, malolu arba'in yomin. Ta'avai bahar, v'shivzah v'tammuz, nachit v'atav v'tavrinu l'aluchot. And he came down on the 17th of Tammuz, the people were worshipping a golden calf, and he broke the luchot. Makes perfect sense according to that. But, el Rabbi Yosef Gli Lidamar, shishad de prishad v'arba'in dahar, the problem is, according to Rabbi Yossi Aglili, because Rabbi Yossi Aglili is saying that after the Torah was given on the 6th of Sivan, then the cloud enclosed Moshe for six days and he went up on the seventh day to the mountain. Okay? But that cut, that means that he didn't go up on the mountain in time. Meaning that means that he didn't go, that, that there's six more days to account for. 
because he didn't go up till six days later after the Torah was given. So how are you going to say that the Luchot were broken on 17th of Tammuz? He'll say, no problem. I count those six days. He gets credit for the six days that he was waiting to go up on the mountain. In other words, the six days that he was sitting there enclosed by the cloud in preparation uh, for the quarantine period it counts toward the 40. So he was only up there after that, counting the day seven as a whole day. So he was, he was only up there for 34 days, not really for uh, 40 full days. And it works, still works out. Now, Amar Mo, the message said, It says that Hashem called to Moshe and everybody was listening. And this is according to the interpretation that the calling of Moshe there isn't Hashem telling Moshe, come up and get this physical luchot. It was the calling of Moshe to initiate the, the speaking of Hashem to the whole Jewish people. That supports the idea. What it says there in the Brayta supports Rabbi Elazar. Rabbi Elazar is the one that says that Hashem only called Moshe to show the people that Moshe was special, not because only Moshe was being addressed. Actually, everybody was being addressed in that incident, and. And the only one who really says that this is like a private matter between Moshe and Hashem is Rabbi Yosei who was saying that this was after the giving of the Torah, Moshe is preparing to go up on the mountain. But everyone else is saying, no, this happened as part of Matan Torah, this whole thing of the six days and the seventh day. Right? Why doesn't it say the voice came to Moshe? It says, This is talking about when the, the, they inaugurated the Oil Moed, and after that point, um, it, it says that uh, Hashem would always speak to Moshe from the uh, from the uh, uh, from on the kaporet, it's a very famous pasuk because it says Vaishmatakol midaber elav. And instead of midaber with a with a shva, it says midaber. And, the, and Rashi says it. And even Onkelos also says it says if Hashem is speaking to himself and Moshe can hear, you know, it's like uh, it's a uh, a special way of understanding how the nevuah of Moshe but works. Moshe heard. Nobody else said right. That's what it's going to say. Moshe shema v'chol Right? So that's what it says. Moshe heard. That's what it means. Elav. Nobody else heard. So wait a second. So in, so just before you said that Vayikrael Moshe, Moshe, uh, you know, that Hashem called Moshe in order to give kavod to Moshe that everybody would hear. But then you said that no, when Hashem speaks to Moshe, only Moshe hears, nobody else hears. So which one is it? It depends. One is talking about at Har Sinai. At Har Sinai, Hashem wanted everyone to see that he was speaking to Moshe. So of course, he spoke aloud and everybody heard. But when it came to Oil Moed, when Hashem was giving mitzvot to Moshe, he only gave it, he only Moshe could hear it. Vibayit Ema, alternatively, la kashya, no problem. And the Bach has a different version here, where it should say, ha veha Oil Moed, both are in Oil Moed, but ha bekuya ha bedibur. One is talking about when Hashem would call Moshe. In other words, when he would summon Moshe, okay, then he would, people would hear. But when he was telling the content that he was telling Moshe, was only between him and, uh, and, and Moshe. Oh, the people wouldn't hear it. Rabbi Zerikah, Rabbi Zerikah, Rabbi Elazar. One time Rabbi Zerikah pointed out a contradiction between Sukim in front of Rabbi Elazar. And some say that Rabbi Zerikah was just reporting what Rabbi Elazar said. In other words, some say that he suggested this to his teacher and some say that he reported it in the name of his teacher. But Ketiv, It doesn't really make sense because it says Moshe couldn't go on the mountain because of the cloud, but then it says Moshe went into the cloud. So which one is it? 
Is the cloud impenetrable or is the cloud penetrable? Which one is it? It means that he wasn't able to go on his own. He wouldn't have been able to go through the cloud on his own. But Hashem grabbed him, so to speak, and pulled him in. Meaning to say that on his own, Moshe wouldn't have been able to go up. And that's, there's probably a lot of depth to that. You know, there's probably a, a really some, some profound thought behind that. That, you know, a, for, to achieve the level of Moshe Rabbeinu, a person couldn't do that on their own. It was that Hashem brought him in, meaning it was only because of Hashem's divine intervention. And you could see also, he went 40 days and 40 nights without eating and drinking. Right? I mean, it's not really possible. So it's not physically possible. Only with Hashem's help, you could do that. The Yeshiva of Rabbi Ishmael had the following interpretation. The word betoch doesn't mean going right into something. It could be going through something, but not right into it. Meaning, It says that the Jewish people went betochayam. Right, It doesn't mean that he went through the cloud. It, when it says that he went it means that the anan, the cloud, split open. split open like the sea split open, and he was able to walk through and go in to uh, receive the rest of the Torah. So that would be a little bit more of a, uh, uh, a a compromise situation. In other words, he didn't actually go through the cloud. He wasn't able to go through the cloud. We're accepting that. But when it went bitochanan, it means that Hashem opened a pathway for him. Again, you could say that this is a way of showing that only because Hashem extends the opportunity and the invitation to somebody to reach that level of holiness are they able to do it. It needs. It requires the divine intervention there. Now, why whenever Hashem speaks to Moshe, he always says, Vayikrael Moshe first. At the beginning of Vayikra, the opening pasuk of Vayikra is Vayikrael Moshe, Vayidaber Hashem Elav. Why doesn't it just say Vayidaber Hashem El Moshe? Why do you need Vayikrael Moshe? What do you need that for? The answer is, this is a very good practical advice. If you don't call your friend and you just start talking to him, he doesn't know that you're speaking to him, he's not going to register what you're saying. We know that from life, right? Sometimes you're talking to somebody, they say, oh, were you talking to me? I wasn't paying attention. You know, first you have to get a person's attention, then you talk to them. Right? A person should not tell somebody something until he calls him first to make sure that he knows that he's, that, that he's addressing him. So you know, happens all the time. I guess so. I mean, I wasn't there, but I would, I would suppose. Lemor, what does the word Lemor mean? Amarebi... Rabba. So Rabbi is uh, the great Rabbi is probably what it's supposed to say, right? Rabbi Rabba. Um, let's say on the side. Menasya. Oh, it says it has Rabbi Menasya in other versions. So it says that that might be correct. Or it could be uh, the another version is Amar Rabbi Menasya Bar Bereid Rabbi Menasya Mishmeid Rabbi Menasya. That's interesting. Okay. Either way, Rabba. That would mean the elder of Menasya. Fine. How do you know that if somebody tells you something, you shouldn't tell anybody else unless they tell you, go tell somebody else. Because it says, Hashem said to, spoke to Moshe from Oil Moed, to say, meaning giving him the permission to go ahead or telling him, instructing him to go ahead and convey what... Uh, what he had heard from Hashem to, uh, to, to, to the people. So without the word lemor, lemor is saying... What? The drasha over here, 
Right, but it's saying it's the, the word lemor means that you should that, that he needed the word lemor to tell him to have permission to go tell the people. Ah. Right. Otherwise, otherwise, right. Otherwise, he, he would not. Um, otherwise, he would not have the permission to go and to uh, and to tell them. But That's it's it's like, but, yeah. What are you gonna Nobody, when you, somebody tells you something, you, you assume that he has permission to repeat to other people, unless. He said, don't repeat it to anybody. All right, that's how most he, people think. He's saying he the opposite. He's saying the opposite. Right? He's saying unless somebody gives you permission. But, or it's like, the, you know, the joke that they used to say, what was, what was Moshe Rabbeinu's last name? What? It was Lemur. And the proof is because Moshe and Aaron were brothers, and it also says, So you see that they both had the same last name. 